morning, let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing glory to his name. And then his name is wonderful. Good to have you in God's house. Let's open up with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. We ask that you would be with us as we turn our hearts towards you. Help us to dismiss from our minds all the hectic, the rush, the running about to even get here this morning. But help us now to just focus in upon you, to draw near to you, to sense your Holy Spirit's movement and work within our hearts. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated.
everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. You reached into the dust in love your spirit breathed. You formed us in your very likeness to know your wondrous works, to tell your mighty
and he answered, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, that's why I trust him, that's why I trust him, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered, that's why I trust him, that's why I trust him, that's why I trust him, that's why I trust in God, my Savior, the one who will never fail, he will never fail, I trust in God, my Savior, the verses that are going to give us a little bit of a background, and then from there, we're going to go down and look at the text that I just gave you. But I actually want to start out with verses 31 of chapter 18, and just uh, kind of place you at what's going on, where they are, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and his apostles. Listen to what took place uh, as we pick it up there in verse 31 of chapter 18. Then he took unto him the twelve, and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, he shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit, spitted upon. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they things which were spoken. When you read this text, you, you go back in time and, and geographically you go to the nation of Israel. And you understand that the Lord's got his 12 and they're traveling through the land. And they come to a certain point and he says, okay, it's time to go up to Jerusalem. And anytime you see in the New Testament that phrase, Old Testament as well, where they're going to go up to Jerusalem, in America we think that means they need to go north. That's not the case. Uh, to their culture, their society, no matter where you are throughout the land, Jerusalem's always up. It's up in an area of some mountains, and spiritually it is the high place of the nation of Israel. So when the Lord Jesus Christ says to his uh, apostles, it is time. It's time for us to go up to Jerusalem. He begins to describe to them exactly what's going to happen when, when, when they get there. He says to them, he's going to be delivered unto the Gentiles. He'll be mocked, spitefully entreated, spitted on. He shall be scourged put to death, and the third day he shall arise. Now for you and I, we think to ourselves, wow, you couldn't get a more detailed description of what's getting ready to happen to the Lord Jesus Christ when they go ahead and arrest him and they give him the mock trial, they whip him, they beat him, they crucify him, he rises in the three days. What a capsule of the gospel he has just given to these apostles. But then when you look at verse 34, it says, and they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, 
neither knew they the things which were spoken. It's almost as if they're blind. He's gone ahead and he's laid this out for them so clearly. How could they miss what he had just said to them? But it says none of them get any of it. It's as if they're deaf and blind. And as we move into the very next part of the text, we meet a blind man. And the Lord is going to teach us a lesson about what transpired. Look at what, as we pick it up in verse 35 of chapter 18. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside, begging. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus, Nazareth, passeth by. And he cried out, saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him, that he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight. Thy faith has saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. When we look at this text, this text of the blind man, we understand how that God had, through only the abilities of God, had looked at his apostles and he understood these guys, these guys are walking around like they have blinders on. Like a horse that can't see anything except what's right here. And he describes to them exactly what's getting ready to come ahead. And they just can't see it. But Jesus knew that just along the journey, just around the corner, just up the road, he's going to encounter a real blind man. And that blind man is going to become an example for all the ages of spiritual blindness. Because the apostles are struggling with spiritual blindness. And all around us, in our culture, in our world, there are people who struggle with spiritual blindness. Just like the time of Jesus. Just like the apostles. How hard it is. It's incredible. That these apostles who have sat at the feet of Jesus, they have watched him do incredible things. And they're just not getting it. So when we come to this blind man, we find this illustration, this living illustration of spiritual blindness. We're going to see that spiritually blind are often passed by. We're going to see that the spiritually blind are not without other senses. This blind man's going to teach us a lesson. We're going to see that the spiritually blind often face opposition. Certainly apostles had. And we're going to see that the spiritually blind need to be heard. And even in our day and age, we need to listen that we might respond. We need to listen that we might be able to help. Those apostles, they needed a little more time, didn't they? They needed a little bit more of seeing Jesus before they really understood. As we start in the text, when you look at verses 35 and the first part of verse 36a, we are absolutely reminded how that many people just pass by the spiritually blind. Look again with me at verse 35. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the wayside begging. And begging at that time was uh, an acceptable social part of their culture. If you did not have the ability to work, if you could not work in the fields, you could not work in a shop, you could not provide for yourself, the social welfare system of the day was begging. 
Verse 36. And hearing the multitude pass by, he asked, what's going on? So it's important to kind of catch here that these people are just passing by this blind man. And this blind man is very much like in our culture. All those who are spiritually blind, they have those blinders on. They can only see what's in front of them. They have no perception of tomorrow or around them. They don't care or they don't understand the big picture. And life just passes them. They're alienated from those things which they cannot see nor understand. It's interesting when you go to the book of Ephesians. Look with me, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. And I want you to see how that oftentimes the spiritually blind, they're completely alienated from the spiritual truths of God. Look with me at verses 17, 18, and 19 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, the work of uncleanness with greediness. So when we read this text, we see him describing to us the blindness of the heart. And that's the illustration of this living blind man. This is the illustration of even the struggle of the apostles. This blindness that has come down upon this, this, this shadow of darkness that's described in verse 18. And he gives to us a powerful understanding. He says, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. You and I live in a day and an age, just as the apostles lived in a day and an age, just as going back to the time of Noah in his day and age. We live in a time when there are many who are so spiritually blind. They're alienated from the things of God. They cannot see them. When I was a little boy, my dad had a pony and a pony cart. And I was a very little boy at the time. And it was quite amazing to see him harness up the little pony and the little pony in the cart. And then they would put the blinders on the little pony. And I can remember asking my dad, what were those things for? Why, why did they wear those things? And he said, so that they can't see any of the grass on the side of the road. They can't see anything other than what you're trying to track them to see. And you know, that's exactly what the devil tries to do to us in our lives. He wants to blind us from the big picture of God's hand at work. He wants to blind us from the consequences of alienating God from our homes, our culture, our society, our community, our world. And he just wants to get us focused on this narrow little picture. This blind man, he can't see. And those that are spiritually blind, they cannot see. Verse 17 of Ephesians 4, it says, It's due to the vanity of their mind. Their understanding has been darkened, according to verse 18. It has affected their heart itself. Their heart is blind. And they are past feeling, according to verse 19. It is a dire picture that the Bible draws of being spiritually blind. And I ask you today, are we any better than the apostles? Do we think ourselves to be so much more righteous than the apostles? The apostles were struggling to see and they could not see. And you and I in our lives, it's good for us to step back once in a while and ask ourselves, have I allowed myself to become so shaded or jaded that I can no longer see God's hand at work? Can, that I can no longer see his call, his beckoning, his wooing to repentance and renewal and commitment? 
Whatever it may be that the Lord is working in my heart and your heart about, is it that we have become so blinded that we've become alienated from the things of God? Look with me, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 1. And here we find another great reference to this kind of spiritual blindness. As the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching his apostles on the road to Jerusalem, we're reminded that throughout the Bible, we find these lessons, not just here and there, but everywhere. Second Peter chapter one, look at verses five on down. It says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. He's just given to us a great list of spiritual strengths. Listen to verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound... They make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful to the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He's talking to Christians here, isn't he? He's talking to you and me. He's saying to us, if you can't see these attributes in your Christian life, if you can't find this diligence to add to your faith virtue and knowledge and temperance and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity, he says, if you can't find that in your life, then woe unto you. Because maybe what has happened is a blindness has come upon you. As we get older, if you talk to your friends, and one of the interesting things about gathering around with old people, they all talk about their health. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> now, if you sit down and visit with young people like Mike and Rose back here, you know what they're gonna talk about? Babies. Babies, jobs, all that kind of stuff. But then when you meet with older folks, you know, like I, I'm going to say, hey, Will, how you doing? I'm doing okay. You know, I got, I broke this and I, but I'm doing okay. I'm getting better. You know, I, uh, I this hurts and that, you know, and one of the things that starts happening when you get older is all of a sudden that you can't see like you used to see. You know, all, you, you see people like uh, Hillary and William over there, they can pick up a piece of paper and they'll read it to you. They, they, the thing could be over there on the pew and they're gonna tell you what it says. <laughs> but then you, you start chatting with somebody maybe like Rick's age and he's gonna pull it right up there. He's gonna straighten his glasses. <laughs> Take the glasses off and forget it. And what happens to us when we get older? It creeps up on you. Maybe you're starting to get a cataract. You don't even realize it. You're just not seeing the same. And that blindness can start to creep up on you. That's what happens to us spiritually. And that's why you have texts like... 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 9. Because he's asking us to do a little eye check. I go to get my commercial driver's license, my CDL, so I can drive the church shuttle bus. And the first thing they make me do is stand in the middle of the hallway and look all the way down the hall in this office. And they have the, the regular eye chart up there. And they ask me, do you need to wear those glasses to drive? Actually, I do. <laughs> okay, then you can leave those on. And then they ask me, what's the lowest line you can read? And with the glasses on, I can read pretty far down. Take them off, I'm in trouble. This Bible verse right here is a little eye check spiritually. And that's exactly what he's doing. 
He's saying, I want you to read this line. I want you to look in your heart. And I want you to see, are these things in your heart, in your life? And if they're not, then brother and sister, blindness has crept into your spiritual life. So we understand that if we're not careful, life passes us by. Spiritual blindness creeps upon us. We start to not see the whole picture and we become very narrow focused. That gentleman sitting on the side of the road, he's getting ready to break the silence. He's sitting on the wayside, he's sitting over here and he's got his, whatever it is, a, a pot, a basket, he's got it out here and he starts making some noise. Because they're just ignoring him and passing by and he doesn't know what's going on. He's, he's blind. He doesn't understand what has happened. Why? What's all this hubbub? What's all this talk? What's all this shuffling of the feet? What's, what's this big crowd around me? And somebody tells him, oh, it's Jesus of Nazareth. He's passing by. And apparently this blind man had heard enough about Jesus of Nazareth, that in his heart he believed. And he starts to call out. You see, blind, even the spiritually blind, the physically blind, it's not that they don't have other senses. They certainly can hear, talk. They can taste. They can feel. And this man has definitely sensed, he's heard, he understands that something's going on and he understands who Jesus is and he is stirred within his soul. And you and I, even as Christians, we, meet, we need to make sure that our ears are open to what God has to say. That our hearts are sensitive to the feel, the touch of the Holy Spirit in our soul. We need to make sure that our ability to proclaim and call out is exercised and used just as this blind man on the side of the road is going to do. Isaiah 55 verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the things whereunto I send it. God puts forth his word. He sends it forth through the printed page or the shared voice of those who will proclaim it. And he says, my word goes forth and it does not return to me empty, but it accomplishes the purpose that is set forth. And that day, that blind man, he tapped into that sense of hearing. And he heard that Jesus of Nazareth was there. And he wanted to connect. And I ask you today. We've gathered today in God's house, Victory Baptist Church, up on top of Woodman Hill, just outside of Virgins, Vermont. And how many of us have come with our senses alert? Ready to hear. Ready to see, ready to know, ready to touch and feel and to experience the presence of God in each of our hearts and lives. This blind man, he's ready. He wants for Jesus to stop, to touch his life, to change his life. Romans 10, 13, and 14, it says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? You and I, all around us, is a lost and dying, spiritually blind world. And how will they ever believe if they do not hear? And how are they ever going to be able to call out to Jesus if somebody doesn't stop and tell them? So that day, as this blind man sitting at the side of the road and begging, he starts crying out. Because he needs somebody to tell him. He needs somebody.
to explain to him who it is, what it is that's going on around him. Look with me at verses 38 and 39. And he cried and he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And they which went before rebuked him. That he should hold his peace. But he cried so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And all around you, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, at our hospitals, in our universities, there are people who are spiritually blind. And they are seeking. They want to know what is happening in this world we live in. And people, every once in a while, will say, well, you know, the Bible tells us in the end times it's going to be like this. Mm-hmm. And others say, shh, shh. We don't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Shh. Put your Bible away. Shh. Be quiet. Not here. Not now. Maybe not ever. And what does this blind man do? He cries out all the the louder. He knows he's blind. See, the tragic thing is, there are so many blind people who don't know they're blind. And that's why when we look in the scriptures, Matthew 15 verse 14 says, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. And we are, we are witnesses today To our society falling into the ditch one after another. Like lemmings falling off of a cliff. They're saying, come, follow me. Follow me. And plunk. One after another. They fall into the ditch. But here, this blind man, he's not buying into it. He's not going to accept the shh. He cries out all the louder. He knows who Jesus is. He's heard enough. He's believed in his heart. Lord, Lord, if thou willest, give me my sight back. Because he knew this is Jesus of Nazareth. This is Jesus who has done the miracles that are unexplainable. This is Jesus who they say is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is the Redeemer for the nation of Israel and the people of Abraham. He's done the math in his head and he's, he's equated it in his heart. And he's going ahead and he's saying to himself, listen, this is who I need to touch my life, to change my life. If he's not careful, those around him will let him, they want him to shut down all his senses so that he is only focused on this little narrow thing. He's not hearing, he's not feeling, he's just sitting to the side. Even his opposition is very real. But you know, Hebrews 11.6 teaches us that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And, And this morning... You and I that have taken time out of our schedule and we've driven to, to church and we've packed our, park, parked our car. <laughs> and come in to worship. You and I have come to diligently seek him. But our numbers are so small in such a big community. It breaks my heart sometimes when I'm driving through our towns and our neighborhoods. And I think of all the people who never darken the doors of a church, who never open a Bible, who never bow their heads in prayer, 
who never cry out. But the Bible says that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. That's you and I this morning. That's you and I that have come to God's house. You and I that have taken the time, invested the energy, and we have brought our family and ourselves, and we have come. Why? To seek the Lord. That he might reward us. Not that we're looking for a dollar or a donation. We're looking to draw near to him and have him renew our hearts. It's interesting. The blind man doesn't say to Jesus, Jesus, add to my coffer. He says, give me sight. Restore to me my sight. In a few weeks, we're going to have revival. And an evangelist is going to come. And we're going to have dinner before each service to encourage folks to come from work, have dinner all prepared, so that you can come to revival services. We want to make it as easy as possible for you in a hectic and crazy world. We want you to come to sit under the preaching of the gospel. Why? Because we want to help you just move the blinders. Help us to renew and stir our hearts. That we also might be that person that reaches out to God and just says, God, it's not, it's not that I need you to, to give me more stuff. I'm like the blind man. I need you to give me better sight. Help me to see and know your will for my life. Help me to see and know how I should live for you day by day. Help me to see and know how to be a godly parent. How to be a godly Christian in a crazy world. Lord, help me to see. When you look down at verses 40 down through 43 in our text, you find that he is heard. And it is so important for us to understand that Jesus hears us. Listen, listen to what took place in verse 40 down. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him saying, what wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? Now, it's not that Jesus didn't know what this man needed. He knew. This man, for one thing, is a blind beggar. All appearance tells us exactly what he needs. Jesus knew. Not only that, the Bible clearly teaches us Jesus knows the heart. He knows everything about this guy. He knows, he knows every circumstance. But he asks him. What can I do for you? And you know, it's a good lesson for us all to learn. It's not that God doesn't know your circumstances. He knows it exactly better than you know your circumstances. God knows your circumstances. And yet he still says to us to come to him. Come unto me, all ye that are weary. He wants you to come to him. He knows you're weary. He still wants you to come to him. And here he says that a blind man, what can I do for you? I love the fact that he stopped to do it. Because, I mean, if you've ever been in a big crowd, it's hard to stop a crowd. I mean a serious crowd. I'm not talking about out in the foyer on Sunday morning. I mean when you are in a crowd of a crowd. It's hard to stop it. But Jesus does. He stops and the crowd stops. He says, bring him over here. And they do. And he asks the simplest question. What can I do for you? And you know, each of us in our spiritual lives, no matter where we are at. No matter how clear your vision is biblically. No matter how well you know the Lord and know God, we can all see a little better. I was reading an article the other day about the eyesight of eagles. Incredible. They can be so high up and look down 
hundreds and hundreds of feet and see the grass move where a rabbit is. Isn't that amazing? We can't. But I need to see a little better spiritually all the time. You say, ah, pastor, you went to Bible college. You've been in the ministry a long time. You study the Bible. You teach and preach the Bible. You know, you, you know the Bible. Listen, I'm barely scratching the surface of the Bible. It's loaded with biblical truth. I open the scriptures and start reading it. I start teaching and preaching it. And I'm telling you, I can preach the same text for a month and there's still more in there. It's incredible. It's a living book. The other day I gave, I gave a gentleman, Sandra Joe and I had a project house that we'd worked on for about a year and a half. And I, I've done this for years. I'll do these projects. <laughs> projects at night or however I can make it work. And so I, I sold this project house the other day and, and I needed to get the new owner the manual for the septic system. And so I, I texted him. I said, listen, I've got the manual for the septic system. Do you want that? He's, and so he said, yeah. So we, we met, he actually came to my office and I gave him the manual. And he, he looked at me, he took the manual, he says, Thank you so much. I love manuals. <laughs> I've never had a person look at me and say, I love manuals. But that's what he said. I love this manual. This is the manual of life and eternal life. This is the book to go to. It is the place where you find out what's wrong and what's right and how to fix it right here. And so this blind man on the side of the road, when he that heard that Jesus of Nazareth was coming by, he called out, Jesus stopped everything. Because this guy needs to know. He needs to know. And it tells us in verse 43, and immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise unto God. You see, it's not about, it's really not about the blind man even. It's about the Lord. Amen. You and I, our lives, it's not about us. It's about the Lord. It's about his work and his doings and what he's able to do and what he can do, what he will do in each of our lives. There's so much. More than we see and understand. That's why we've got to continually fine-tuning our eyesight. I am a type 2 diabetic, so every single year I go to the eye doctor. And they go ahead and they do tests. They look inside my eyes and thank the Lord, praise God for it. And he deserves all the glory. Every time my eye doctor says to me, I see no signs of diabetes in your eyes. And I always say, thank, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. But then they always ask me, do you want a new prescription for your glasses? Now, I've been known to be a bit miserly, a little bit tight. Uh, I grew up, it was called frugal. Yankee, I'm a Yankee. Grew up in Massachusetts on an old dairy farm. So I know how to squeeze a penny. And so when they say to me, do you want new prescription? I always ask, well, are my eyes okay with the, is, how's the prescription now compared to what you just did? And so just here a few, about a month and a half ago, she said, it's almost the same. And I said, we'll leave it then. I'm good. I'm good. Because if it's almost the same, I'm not spending 200 bucks to get a new set of lenses. But now if they say to me, well, you know, you're, yeah, it's kind of changed. Then I'm going to pony up. Because I want to see good. I want to be able to look over here and see Carter and Emily and, 
and recognize who they are. I want to be able to look back there and see in our congregation and be able to read the screen. I want to be able to see. So I want them to fine-tune it. Same thing spiritually. I want to come to God's house to hear the word. To experience God touching hearts and changing lives. I want to come to revival. For him to stir my soul in yours as well. I want to be here Wednesday night for Bible study. And lift up my voice in the middle of the week. And sing praises to him. And study a little bit more of the word. Why? Just kind of adjusts my spiritual sight a little more that I might see better. Lord, I do pray that you be with us as we are dismissed. I ask that it would be your Holy Spirit that speaks to each of our hearts as we go about our day. Help us to not just sit on the sideline quietly, but help us. Help us to call out that we might know you, see you, experience you in our daily walk. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing together. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Stand up. Stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of the cross. Lift high his royal banner. It must not suffer loss. From victory unto is Lord indeed. Amen. We're dismissed this morning.